Okay, folks, to finish off our wildcard weekend show, we are delighted to be welcomed from Football Outsiders and also an ESPN Plus NFL analyst alongside so many more different things as well. Aaron Schatz, Aaron, it's a, it's a pleasure to welcome you on to the Irish NFL show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I think this may be the first Irish NFL show that I've done, and I believe that it's now called Super Wildcard Weekend. It is. And do you know what, Arn? After designing 15 different uh, things called Wildcard Weekend, I, I when I realized it was called Super Wildcard Weekend, my, my heart did sink a little. I'm not going to lie. You're very, very welcome. Have you ever been to Ireland before? Uh, have you had the uh, pleasure of being in Dublin or Belfast at all? I have not. I, there's some point there's going to be a European trip in my future, but I have not actually been to Ireland. Well, we would be delighted to uh, welcome you to the, the little green island. And um, Michael was, uh, I suppose, mentioning some of the, the things you've been in, involved in there. And it's football outsiders is what people, I think, on this side of the world will know you best for and DVOA. And I suppose looking at it, like going back, um, you did a, a piece a few years ago on the 30 best teams of the last 30 years. And that 1991 Washington team was at uh, top of that. Now, yeah. we had the good fortune of, of speaking to, to Stink on, on this show before, and he had lots of stories about the Hogs and his time there. But can you talk to us a, a little bit from your perspective? What makes that team um, the best of the, the past 30 years? Oh, the thing about the 91 Washington team is that it was so well balanced. They are... I believe they come out in our ratings as one of the top 30 offenses, one of the top 30 defenses, and one of the top 30 special teams units of the last 30 years, which is, I mean, well, more than 30 years at this point. I mean, our numbers actually go back to 1983 now. So we have, including 2021, we have 38 years of data. But that team was just consistent and strong in pretty much every way. And I realized that it was sort of a one-year, you know, wonder. They didn't win more than one Super Bowl, but a lot of great teams in NFL history are just one-year things. You know, the 85 Bears only have the one Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, I stick by the 91 Washington team as the best team of all time. Aaron, you had a recent tweet on DVOA, and in particular around deep passes and how the Carolina Panthers somehow fell, fell into a negative scenario there and with the baseline of sacks not being included. How rare is, is that in the season to see that stack come out? Usually we end up with like one offense per year that's negative on deep passes. So the way it works is uh, for the team DVOA stats, we throw every play, in, right? So when you look at just deep passes split out, you're only looking, I mean, you're looking at both complete and incomplete passes, but all the complete passes are big gains and you're, you don't have any of the negative. You don't have any of the like, sacks and you don't have any of the two yard passes on third and 15 because you're only looking at deep stuff so every team is very positive above the baseline it's really hard to be negative but carolina was this year um aaron you've you've done a lot to promote analytics generally and to analytics in a football sense and um, obviously recent years you've spoken at the MIT Sloan Analytics Conference which only seems to have grown and grown in stature we've been fortunate enough to interview people like Scott Pioli who've also spoken at that and he actually commented on just how it's grown in magnitude the use of analytics across football has grown in magnitude and I mean it seems like 
every NFL team now has an analytics department. Some will come to it, might be using it a bit too much, but we'll, we'll come to that in due course. <laughs> Do you think now everyone, other than maybe Bill Belichick, uh, has found religion and has adopted analytics and it's here to stay? And in well, fairness, Belichick found, adopts analytics. They've found religion in different amounts, right? I mean, Belichick too has done analytics and has analytics people with New England. The amount to which they... The amount to which every team follows the sort of general precepts of what analytics has discovered about professional football does differ from team to team. But there's no question that the league as a whole is understanding the analytics movement much better in the last four to five years. And there's we sort of won. We basically won. If you look at the way that coaches were going for it on fourth and short, that decision, I mean, there's a lot of analytics is anything where you can study data to try to improve the decision-making process. It's not just about fourth downs, but that's the thing we've been hammering on for 20 years. And if you look at the way teams acted this year compared to how they acted five or six years ago, it's pretty clear that we've won the argument. Just on that, I remember you and Greg Easterbrook, I used to read on on ESPN about 15 years ago, going on about punting on fourth and one in the so-called maroon zone, where it's too close for a punt, too long for a field goal and teams not going for it. And now you don't see them stop. Like they, they always seem to go for it a lot more regularly. Yeah, teams at this point are going for most fourth and ones. Even teams are starting to go for it at fourth and one, even on their own end of the field. They understand how strong the chance is of converting a fourth and one, and also how important possession of the ball is. You just do not want to give the ball back to the other team if you can help it. And the odds that you're going to keep the ball on fourth and one are pretty strong. Now, obviously, if it's fourth and one in your own end and you don't convert, that's a really bad result. But you're going to convert that, I don't know, 70, 75 percent of the time. So most of the time you're going to have a good result. And keeping possession of the ball means keeping the other team from scoring. Talking about possession, analytics, maybe going for it, or bowl strategies. One team that has a bowl strategy on Thursday, Aaron, was the Houston Texans getting rid of head coach Cully. Uh, what exactly is the strategy in Houston, do you, do you think, at the minute? Because it, it came as a shock anyway for me. Yeah. The, okay, so the first thing is, why did they let this poor guy twist in the wind for three days, right? Like, why not fire him on Monday like everybody else did? But when they hired Cully... You know, he was somebody who nobody had ever considered as head coach material. And then all of a sudden, here's Houston hiring him. Like, it felt weird when they hired him. So that makes it feel a little less weird now that they're firing him. But it is difficult to see what the strategy is in Houston. The the leaders now to be the new head coach are all people with Patriots connections. Apparently, they're, you know, the whole idea that they're Patriots South with Nick Casario as the general manager. Um I, I just feel like that that franchise is a mess. You know, the, the pull that Jack Easterby has with a, a, the owner of that franchise is weird. And it's not something I would really want to be involved with. Yeah, it's um, strange, strange things happening down in Houston over the, the last couple of years. And I think we'll continue to, to see that uh, into this offseason. But we are coming into the playoffs, Aaron, and I suppose just before Christmas, ESPN had a, a long, long read around momentum and, and kind of an in-depth investigation into sports' most overused term. 
But um, then last week you had a piece about hot streaks entering uh, the playoffs and, and whether they matter. Can you talk to us, I suppose, about your conclusions uh, about rust versus rest? Yeah, they don't really matter. The fact is that if you look back at the last 20 years, is it better to be hot at the end of the season than cold? Yes, it's better to be doing playing better at the end of the season than playing worse. But overall, it's much more how well you played over the course of the entire season that tends to matter rather than where you particularly cold and just, especially if you look at just the last three or four games, like a lot of people will feel that the Patriots lost three of their last four. They're a really cold team right now, but if you look at the whole second half of the season, they played very well throughout the whole second half of the season. Even the games they lost near the end of the year, they played reasonably well, except against Indianapolis. So in general, it's, you know, you would rather be playing better than worse come the end of the season, but there's a lot of anecdotal evidence of teams you know, I mean, I always think of the 2008 Arizona Cardinals who went to Foxborough and lost 47 to seven in a snowstorm to Matt Castle and the Patriots, the year that Tom Brady was injured, 47 to seven, and then ended up within a minute of winning the Super Bowl. Aaron, one team we're used to seeing in the playoffs is the Baltimore Ravens. And obviously, there's a lot of talk recently, in particular, on two games where they lost both games where they went for two-point conversions. The one in Pittsburgh and obviously then the one at home to the Packers. And I, I, I suppose, how do you weigh up in, in-game scenarios versus the, the analytics? Because the first time around, Jim Harbour said, we went for two points because we couldn't move the ball for majority of the game. And we, he didn't feel they would move it in overtime. The following time he did it against the Packers, they were moving the ball pretty much the entirety of that second half. But yeah, he, he went for the analytic decision as opposed to what was actually happening within the game. Are you surprised how, how that plays out at times? Well, it's not the analytic decision. Here, the interesting thing about those two-point decisions is that I believe in both cases, definitely in the case of the Packers game, uh, the analytics model that we use actually favored kicking the extra point and going to overtime, in part because they have the best kicker ever, and therefore they're more likely to win in overtime on a long field goal that the other team can't try. But the when I say that even the model favored kicking the extra point, it was very close. So it really was a gut decision. It really, this was a decision that analytics doesn't tell you what to do. You really have to play based on your gut. And I think what Harbaugh did in going for two in both of those decisions got blamed on analytics, but he was really just going with his gut and looking at how injured his defenses were. And he just felt like he could not put his defenses back on the field in overtime and he had to win it now. Uh, Aaron, I'm going to continue on that thing. So one thing I want to probe with you, actually, I've explained the Monty Hall problem on this show. So I like my maths and my analytics and statistics quite a bit from time to time. But we're talking about Harbaugh. We talk about that decision not to go for it. But I want to rewind a bit because some of the analytics and statistics have suggested if you're down 14 late in the fourth quarter, you should go for two. But you should go for two on the first touchdown not necessarily the second. Could you just explain a little bit where the analytics falls out in that and why that works out more preferable for some of our viewers? Yeah, so here is how it works. If you go for two after the first touchdown and you get the two-point conversion, all you need is the extra point after the second touchdown to win the game. You don't go to overtime. 
if you don't get the two after the first touchdown, you still have another opportunity to get the two after the second touchdown. So basically, you know, 20, if you think of going for two as basically a 50-50 proposition, which, you know, it's roughly. 50% of the time, you'll get one of them, which means you'll go to overtime. 25% of the time, you won't get either, which means you'll lose. But 25% of the time, you will win in regulation without even having to go to overtime. So it ends up that you win the game more often if you try for two, the first touchdown. I mean, obviously, in order to make this work, you have to score the two touchdowns and you have to prevent the other team from scoring any, which is hard to do. That, that, that's but, the tricky thing. That's the trick. I mean, the Eagles, the Eagles were in this situation earlier this year against the Buccaneers, actually, the first time those teams played. And the Eagles scored the first touchdown and went for two and got it. They never scored the second touchdown. So it didn't matter. Yeah. One, one of the rare occasions. Um, I feel like, Aaron, you've given, and just to continue on, I mean, we've got the super, sorry, super wild card weekend coming up. You've given Pats fans who might have been hanging from the rafters something to cling on to in the sense of the second half of the season. But there's a couple of games, obviously, where, you know, the, the DVOA, the analytics that you guys do, the Football Outsiders inputs, is really interesting in the sense of some teams might want to look away. For example, if you're the San Francisco 49ers going up against the Dallas Cowboys, you might not want to be aware of your research when it's like, well, don't pass the ball long because the or hope that the Cowboys don't pass the ball long because the, the 49ers are a bit susceptible to that or indeed the Pittsburgh Steelers with their short passing game going up against the Kansas City defense you know who should be hiding behind the couch basically Aaron and who should be going into this weekend with optimism well I mean we're not very high on Pittsburgh's chances against Kansas City there's a reason that game's got the biggest line I mean Kansas City um Kansas City tends to do lower in our numbers than they sort of really are because when they take big leads in the fourth quarter, they shut it down and play awful. And historically, we found that, you, that those numbers are sort of meaningful for the future for most teams, but they may not be for Kansas City. And meanwhile, Pittsburgh is the worst of the playoff teams. They only came out 24th out of 32 teams in our numbers this year. So that one seems really one-sided. Um, otherwise, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think we are in agreement pretty much with Las Vegas as far as, uh, I don't mean the Raiders, I mean the lines, as far as the home teams being the better teams in all the matchups. But I mean, Dallas was our number one team for the year, but San Francisco also is really good in our numbers. And the two, those two teams basically feast on each other's weaknesses. Right, like Dallas wants to throw deep and San Francisco is terrible at stopping that. San Francisco wants to run and Dallas is terrible, not terrible at stopping that, but like their great defense is not great against the run. It's only average against the run. So um, it's like a bad matchup for both teams, which makes it a really intriguing game. Talking about the 49ers, I'm excited to see what they do against Dallas this weekend. But one team that won't be in the playoffs is the Los Angeles Chargers. And First off, as an analyst and also as an NFL fan, what did you make of that last two minutes on, on Sunday night? Because I was sitting in, in disbelief, and I think I still am, to be honest with you. Well, the whole game was disbelief, first of all, because Justin Herbert kept hitting fourth and long after fourth and long after fourth and long. I mean, that game was nuts. Once the Raiders got the ball 
with two minutes left or whatever, I felt like they should just kneel on it and just take the tie and just let's both make the playoffs. But if you think about it for the Raiders, there was a reason to keep going and try to win the game. And that's not, it's not just about sort of ego and like, we want to win the game. It's the difference between the fifth seed and the seventh seed. And given the way that they were completely destroyed by Kansas City twice this year, and the way that, you know, most people feel Kansas City is a better team than Cincinnati, no disrespect meant to the Bengals, you would rather be playing the Bengals in the first round than playing the Chiefs in the first round. And so they put themselves in a situation where they could try to win, but were pretty assured not to lose unless Josh Jacobs fumbled the ball. They just basically, they could give it to Jacobs and run and see if he got enough yards to try a field goal. If he didn't get enough yards to try a field goal, so then, you know, game over, tie, we go to the playoffs. But if he does get in position to try a field goal, you can have better playoff position and kick your rival, the Chargers, out of the playoffs. So I think it was basically just, let's see if we can get the rushing yards. And they did because the Chargers run defense is terrible. Yeah, I think I saw a stat 130 of the 132 um, yards came after contact, which is quite something for the the Chargers defense to to give up. But in in terms of defense, actually, Aaron, you tweeted recently around the difficulty in picking all pro safeties, both in terms of the eye test, in terms of stats, and, and even on video, because a lot of times you don't know the play call, you don't know the responsibility. And so when it comes to that, how how do you go about it? And maybe who are some of the, the safeties who have jumped out at you um, this, this season? It's hard. I mean, you've got, you know, PFFs grading. You've got Sports Info Solutions as point saved metric. You've got some stats that you can look at, but it is difficult to find stats on safeties. Um, I do, you know, it does mean something to me that Buffalo is our number one defense and our number one defense against deep passes. And I think that that's, and, and they're far ahead of everybody else against deep passes. And I think that that speaks well of Jordan Poyer. So in the end, my decision for the APRI all pro safety came down to having to pick two out of Derwin James of the Chargers, Kevin Byard of the Titans and Jordan Poyer of the Bills. Um, I got it down to those three to make my decision as to who to pick and then tried to figure out with the stats, um, you know, who I was going with and a little bit also of like who, you know, when I watched games, who seemed to really jump off um, when you're deciding on things like the all pro team. Um, 14 teams in the playoff, obviously having looked at the stats of the teams who potentially are, who are outside looking in, um, who do you think going forward? I know we're a long way off another season, but who has the most upside based on what you've you've reviewed so far to date? Who has the most upside of the teams that missed the playoffs? Yes. yes. Oh, Sorry, the yes. Chargers. I mean, the Chargers, because offense is more consistent from defense uh, than defense, and they found a stellar quarterback, and they have a defensive-minded head coach. He just needs to bring in the right players to run his scheme, and hopefully they can do more of that this offseason. Of the teams that missed the playoffs, I don't think there's any question that the Chargers are the most optimistic for the future. Um, Aaron, you've been called from time to time the Bill James of football analytics, in the same way he started the, uh, the mantra in baseball, you started it very much in football. 
I've actually once met Bill James. I can assure the world he looks nothing like Brad Pitt. Um, if they were making, however, Moneyball, the football version, who would you have play you in that movie? Oh, Brad Pitt is not supposed to be Bill James in Moneyball, I will say. He's supposed to be Billy Bean. He Sorry, doesn't look Jonah, any... I meant to say he looks nothing like Jonah Hill, actually. He looks nothing like Billy Bean either, by the way. That's, that's true. Billy Bean I have is very no... black. I have no idea what actor looks like me. I, I don't really know. I, I, you have kind of um, hit me with a question I can't answer. I don't have a really good answer for that question. We we can do we can do analytics based on their IMDb pro, uh, IMDb profile. I don't know. Maybe and, and like uh, they need someone very Jewish looking who can grow a good beard. I don't know. Maybe Jason Schwartzman. He's in a lot of those Wes Anderson movies. Can he can he grow a beard though? Yeah. I don't know. Don't know. Adrian Brody might work. That He's might one be of the best question ever asked. That would work. <laughs> uh, seriously, Mark, that might be the best question that anybody's ever asked in the show to exist. <laughs> that is not so what I have that. that is not one I've thought about in the past. That is not what I've thought about in the past. Aaron, it's, it's been fantastic to have you on the show and, and we really appreciate you coming on, especially at such a busy time in the season. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you both on social media or anywhere else relevant? Sure. The website is footballoutsiders.com. All of our content is there, all of our advanced stats. Uh, FO Plus subscription, that's our subscription service. You can get all kinds of splits and DVOA going all the way back to 1983. Fantasy football research data, picks against the spread. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter at F-O underscore A-Shots, which is spelled A-S-C-H-A-T-Z. I know I have a difficult to spell last name, but uh, if you know how to spell it, you can find me on Twitter. And I'm always putting random stats out there or whatever. I see comments during the games about what I'm seeing during the games I'm watching, which, of course, during the playoffs is the same games everybody else is watching because there's only one at a time. Absolutely, and highly recommend uh, following Aaron on Twitter. It's uh, it's always interesting. But Aaron, just thank you again for taking the time to join us on tonight's Irish NFL show. Hey, thanks for having me on the show again, guys.